to the Dr. Supercoach podcast. You're on once again with Cheezo. Hi there. Thanks for tuning into the show. Nice to see all your smiling faces. Pistol is on with me tonight, and in tonight's show, we've got a lot of news. We're going to talk about CJ. All he had to do was follow the damn train. We've got some Q&As to round it all out. Pistol, how are you, champion? Talk to me. You had a good week. I did have a good week, but I'm more, I want to just revisit where you said, nice to see everyone when it's a podcast. I'm just trying to visualize what you've done to people's you know, listening devices to be able to see everyone. But anyway... Uh, good super coach round for me, which is good because I need to peg back some points on both you and JB. Uh, two two eight six. A um, lot of points left on the bench because the rookie roulette sucks, and I get it wrong every single week. But me too. Overall, into I think it was um, two thousand eight hundred and fourth. So well on my way, uh, marching towards a top one k, which you blokes are already both in. So this great start. It's very, very exciting. Uh, I, I was very, very Excited. nervous <laughs> going into Monday with the likes of Cozzy having to come on field and just having so much. I, I just knew that Titch was going to get attention and just I, I just felt like something was going to go really, really wrong. But uh, came out with a twenty-two fifty-six and moved into the top one thousand. So uh, definitely very, very happy with that. And uh, a perfect year to get kicked from the state of Origin League because we would have absolutely owned it this year. Uh, <laughs> Pistol, we'll jump into some housekeeping. We do have some shout-outs uh, that we do need to give, both from Patreon as well as Supercoach. Uh, we've got a bunch of guys in the top 100 uh, in the Dr. Supercoach League. Um it, it, it's just phenomenal how many of the community members are just having a, a great start to the year. We're proud of every single one of them. Unbelievable start, uh, specifically our patrons. I think there's 12 of them at the moment in the, the top uh, 100, which is a crazy good start. But just in terms of our general Dr. Supercoach group, we should give some shouts to three people in the top 10. Um, crazy Frogs, coached by Julian, is still in number one after three weeks, which is a great effort. We've got Clark's Rubber, which is our very own Dr. Supercoach admin, Harry. He has had a brilliant start to the season, sitting in third overall. And we've got Keisha and Becky, Coach Stefan, in eighth place overall. So great start from uh, yeah Dr. Supercoach fans they've they've come out hot this season yeah and I've thrown down the gauntlet to Gary uh, to Gary <laughs> to Harry Harry that he can... <laughs> nice Harry uh, that he can only get into um, into slack if he joins the Dr. Supercoach group man come on we're in third and you're not even in the group and you're an admin Come on, mate. Come on, mate. If you want, if you want that little Slack access, that's that's the only thing required. Um, Slack access. We've also got some some uh, Patreon shout-outs uh, from the last week. Steve uh, Riverland, Drew Carefree Carey, Nick Dean Walpole, uh, Clint Outy. Uh, Pistol's got an innie. Clint's got an Outy. Uh, just <laughs> Sam. Uh, we've got James and Ben <laughs> Hutchins. Thanks to everyone uh, that has signed up this week and jumped into the Patreon. Hope you're enjoying yourself um, and getting over there. We do have uh, well, Pistol. I want to I want to shout this to you. I had a look at the the Cancer Council donations just recently, and I I I, I was expecting to see a name Brett Ratten popping up. You know, we've got we've had donate for donuts. We've got donate for dumb things going on now. I'm, you know, maybe we need to send the link to the St Kilda coaching staff for, for dropping uh, Tommy Highmore. 
Yeah, that was a big shock, Chizo. Um, but no, I'm looking right now. There's just one donation. It's not from Brett Ratton. It is from Tristan Webster. He says uh, he lost the Cancer Council bet where the Tigers defeated the Hawks by more than 24 points. Well done. Well done, Al. Team Pistol doesn't miss you. So there we go. <laughs> He's laid down the hammer on, on Al. Yeah, obviously there's some fighting words in terms of Rivalry League, which kicked off this week, and uh, Team Chizo is off to a bit of a flying start, the defending champions in, te- in uh, Seagull League. <laughs> Look, uh, the overall winners, uh, Team JB, are currently in last place, which is exciting for yourself and a myself. A lot of rejoicing going on right now. We are locked into a battle um, for first. Currently, we've got slightly more chocolates than you, but it's very close with uh, Team JB far behind. So I'm looking forward to this battle throughout the whole season between us, Chizo, and yeah, what, what happens to JB, it's uh, kind of irrelevant down near the bottom. And JB's a fantastic winner. He's also a really gracious loser. So um, I'm sure we won't be hearing much about that this year if that continues to be on. Uh, we've also had Last Man Standing had a, a go through another week. Another big name falls from Last Man Standing in General Saunas. Fourth last year. Can't even make it to round four in Last Man Standing of Slack. That's got to be disappointing for the big fella. Huge. Only needed a 2,098 <laughs> to survive this Uh, 15-person cull, but uh, unfortunately, he did not make the cut, and we move on next week with uh, 200, and I think, I've closed the page, but I think it was 258 contestants left remaining. Mm -hmm. Sorry to do that, Jen, I know you're part of Team Cheese, it's just a little gag. Uh, And the last (laughs) thing, uh, thanks everyone for listening, it's been a fantastic year, kind of everyone coming back to Supercoach and, and listening to the podcast. Two of our last four episodes have been in our top four most listened episodes of all time so thanks everyone for listening uh, in the next seven days we'll probably cross three quarters of a million listens of all time which is just why why are that many people listening to us talk about Supercoach? i don't know why they listen it baffles to you me. but you know. that's right that's <laughs> the point i was trying to get at but i was going to be more subtle um so thanks everyone for listening and let's jump into the Supercoach news pistol um hayden young injured Long term, it's a high grade uh, hamstring that he's suffered. It's not going to be one of those uh, two or three weekers that a lot of people were hoping. It's a long term uh, hamstring, and he's going to be you know young player going to be worked back in very slowly. Uh, it has to be said. Uh, Matty DeBoer also out uh, for ten weeks with a similar injury, and that you know is good news in terms of our supercoach sides with the midfields of the dogs the lions and essendon so someone like uh, Zach Merritt if you have him uh, maybe missing uh, the tag as DeBoer's no no longer there uh, and the last one affecting uh, some of our sides is Cornelio is out for eight weeks with a syndesmosis injury. So uh, potentially those that held on to Taranto, like Supercoach Mama M, um, maybe just licking their lips a little bit with Taranto, spending some more time around the ball. Uh, other than that, Pistol, I know the big topic that you want to talk about this week. It's the topic that we've been talking about for the last month. It's the back of Lachlan Neal. Mate, what, have, you, have your thoughts changed at all in the last seven days? Yeah, so that was big news where we hear right after the match that Lockie Neal is severely struggling with a back injury and basically he said, oh, yeah, I've had scans and the result's not good. I'm not going to talk about it. And basically he tried to, you know, wave off the rest of the questions. And his coach was like, yeah, it was a brave effort for him to battle, you know, through this pain, get through the match. And I'm just thinking like, what? What sort of back injury does he have to suffer 
where they're not going to tell everyone what the problem is, but it's going to still continue to play every week. I mean, mm. definitely not a medical professional, but that doesn't sound like great news for somebody that you've paid above 700000 for, now it's copped a big price fall, and he's still one of the most expensive players in the game, and he's clearly like severely suffering from a back injury. Chizo, do you think that with this extra piece of information, even though he has already copped a price drop, do you think that it's still a wise move now to trade him? Well, I've got to say, the first thing, 2021 is a strange year. We, we got definitive information about GWS players being out for a very specific amount of time. And then we've got Lockie Neal being injured for the last four months and we're only just hearing it. Has, has there been some sort of trade made between the Lions and GWS's either marketing or you know medical staff? Because this feels a lot like GWS, the situation. This feels like Neal has had this injury and they've covered it up to try and start the year to get everyone excited about how they're going you know, to fight for another premiership and then be like, ah, okay, guys, yeah, he's actually been injured this whole time. That's why he's not been playing that great. Um it feels a little bit disingenuous, and I just it, it, that kind of stuff just frustrates the heck out of me, Pistol. So that's the first thing I want to say, just totally personal. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of your other point, that what could he be playing through that could still be classed as a you know he said he had a ba- the results were not good from the scan. Typically, you know, bad scan results from to do with the spine is not something that you're going to be running around playing a contact sport. So. If he's got something to do with his discs or his nerves or something going on there, he shouldn't be playing football. So the fact that he's still running around is completely baffling to me. I can't think of a really serious back injury that you can still run around and play a contact sport because when you look at him, he's, he does look a little bit hampered, but he's he's still tackling, he's still around the contest. It, it makes absolutely zero sense to me. And I'm going to assume he had some help getting through the pain in terms of pain management and potentially that wears off during a game as well and that might lead to a reason as to why he struggled in you know the back half of the game. Had. Yeah, I've got no it, idea, but there's there's so many red flags that have popped up and I feel bad for owners that we didn't get this information before he played the game. Mm. And yes, he has fallen 80,000, but at this stage, I don't think that is a reason, a strong enough reason to keep him with all of these unknowns. And it sucks so much to lose 80000 and to use a trade on somebody that you might want again during the season. But realistically, if a back injury is so bad that they're not happy with the results and it's brave of him to play and it's something he's going to have to like work through, one, you might not want him back. And two, he might miss games if it gets worse. There's there's so many problems on top of him consistently falling in price where I feel like at his current price, you can still trade him to almost any player in the game. And if there's yeah. somebody that's got off to a hot start that you did not select, if you've missed somebody like McRae, if you've missed Dunkley, if you've missed Jordan Ridley, this is your get-out-of-jail-free card right now. Yeah. Like This is where you can make the move and just cut your losses and say, look, it didn't work out this time, but I'm not going to let this you know, derail my whole season. Yeah. And I, yeah. I think a get-out-of-jail-free card is... It's a very 
apt term to be using because essentially that was that's sort of what it is. You know, like imagine he played for another three weeks, he drops down to five hundred k, and we're all like, "What the heck is going on?" And then they come out and say, "Oh, he's got a back injury." That that'd just be, you know, you'd, you'd almost feel cheated. So only getting one price drop is, you know it's probably, you know, the best of a, a bad situation. And I think if I'm reading between the lines is that I'm hearing the desperation in your voice that if you owned Lockie Neal, you would be trading him to anyone you possibly could. Only the problem is if you have those players already, and I know a lot of people do have McRae, Dunkley and Ridley in, like specifically, that's where it starts to become a lot more tricky because there's a big drop-off in quality, I think, outside of those three players and Mm -hmm. I don't want to be trading Lockie Neal out for somebody like for example like Rory Sloan um, who might not be a top eight midfielder at the end of the day like oh we're just talking about non-relevant supercoach players right now (laughs) no I mean he's averaging 119 to start the season (laughs) at a good price like there's there's what is this 2015 (laughs) (laughs) look there's it's also Tex hey I'm gonna take that back (laughs) look there's plenty of players that have not had strong starts as well that you kind of don't want mm. to jump on too early in case yep. their form doesn't turn around or they have yep. another bad game or they're going to get tagged in the next round. So there's a lot of reasons to hold him again, but you're going to be copying a price fall. And at that stage, if you've copped 150K, maybe scores a ton next week and you're like, oh, I'll just see it through and hold it out. I don't think it's a necessary mm. guaranteed trade, but I think if you've missed one of those players that a lot of other top teams have and are, are profiting massively off, yeah. then I think it's a wise idea to jump ship. But if you've got those, the decision becomes way more difficult. Okay, so let me ask you this again. You're leaning towards a select few numbers of, uh, of uh, individual premiums that you deem to be so important to get on the run as soon as possible that they're the guys that you'd be trading Lockie Neal to but if you have all of these important guys like the Dunkleys like the Ridleys um, say you only went one deep in the ruck and you you this is a, like yep. so you could get Neal for example you're looking at those kind of players like the Grundies and Gorns and absolute top echelons as opposed to I could get Jaden Short in the back line I think so I think yep. that's going to be my stance on this one I mean it's tough as well because like Clayton Oliver, we know he just got tagged and we know he's probably going to cop a, a tag coming up this round, but I mm. also think he's a really good pick. If you didn't pick him and they're going to be similar price, they're going to drop a similar amount. So you kind of get a get-out-of-jail-free card if you hold Lucky Neal one more week because Oliver's probably going to drop the same amount. So yeah. that doesn't need to be done this week and you can give it one more week. Um, but outside of those players, there's no one else that I think is you know, going to make or break your season that you don't have. And they're the players that you want to get in as soon as possible. Anyone that's going to make or break your season, they just need to be picked ASAP, really. Sure. And so what I'm noticing is you're picking individual players that look like being the top of their respective lines. So you're mentioning Ridley in defense, um, who we were hot on the preseason. You're looking at Dunkley, who is a forward that's scoring really, really well. Um, And you're also looking at someone like an Oliver or a McRae, who are also um, scoring quite well in the midfield. I think midfield's a little bit more difficult um, to be absolutely certain because we're still seeing... I think 
every single one of my midfielders fell in price this week because of all the inflation from last year. So um, the argument could be made that you're looking at either the bookends, like your forwards or your defense, to get on the Ridleys and Dunkleys as opposed to swapping in for another midfielder that may or may not be beaten by another you know, 50 or 100 points over the course of the season by someone else in the midfield. Yeah, look, there's plenty. There's a lot of team-specific information out there, but we have to cover a general gist. Let's move yep. on, Chizo. Which was the next player that you wanted to, to discuss this week? We've already talked about Ridley. I, I noticed that you're pretty much just trying to sell the farm to get him. To an extent. If you have perfect <laughs> premiums, you can't... When I say perfect, I mean no you would problematic. Have yeah, it's true. You would have Ridley. <laughs> but if you have no problematic premiums... It's a bit rich to try and move heaven and earth to him. But I do think that if you have any problem players that you have to get out, where you should be investing your money is to try and get Jordan Ridley into your side because the guy's averaging 136. This isn't, this is not like this is a player that's having a purple patch that we haven't identified before and haven't spoken about in great detail. And then they mm. just happen to get to a good start. And we're like, oh, maybe you should get like a butler last season where he just rocketed at the beginning of the year. Yep. This is a player that we identified early and said, hey, this this guy, I'm pretty sure JB said he's going to go within five of Lloyd at the yep. beginning of the season. We need to we need to get him. And he has done what we expected and exceeded that and is doing well. So there's enough evidence there from last season, from the preseason, from our initial read and thoughts that this is a good pick and something that's he's going to be, you know, a sustainable no well, scoring's not going to be sustainable at one thirty six, but it's going to be the top two, three of his position for the whole season. And this might be one of the cheapest prices you can get him at this week. Well, let's talk about why you might want to get him. Let's say you started um, someone like a Jake Lloyd. There's a lot of these defenders... Um, well, I'll start by saying that Ridley's scoring power is so high is because he just has a complete monopoly over the kick-ins and he gets so many free disposals because of it and he plays on so much of the time. Um, there's a, a lot of notable guys in the back line that do have similar roles but have kind of tapered off a little bit this year to the point that I, I didn't quite expect. Um, Jake Lloyd is no longer their absolute 99% of the time taking the kick-ins anymore, Pistol. And while he's still averaging 113 to start the year, I'm watching the games for the first time in a number of years looking for 44. No, no, other flank, other flank. Ah, damn it. You know, like, I I haven't experienced that with Jake Lloyd for a long time. Yeah, he's not running around. So I think what I've noticed watching the Swans this season is He's not looping around the backman, so he used to run behind the key defenders and get that little handball and then, you know, kick it. He's not really doing that much this season at all. Plus, Sydney are playing a really direct brand yes, of football where they're going, they're cutting through the midfield. It's quick rebounding attacks, cutting through the midfield, rather than switching it on the flanks. So a lot of the time, it's Dawson that's slicing them open. Well, I should say the other team, slicing the other team open and kicking it to, like, the bottom of the square, and then that person goes directly down the middle, and it's it's quick, fast play, and they're getting good results. Mm. So I don't expect that to change anytime soon, which means that there's long periods of time where, one, you don't see Lloyd on the screen, which is scary, especially yep. when it's in Sydney's forward half, and two, he's just on the flank and then not switching it. So he just stands there, like waiting kind of for the ball, and just goes past him, goes right down the middle. Unfortunately... He hasn't scored badly this season because he's still a seagull and you know likes to get the ball in his hands, which is awesome for Supercoach. But this season, like Jake Lloyd's going to have a game where he just puts it puts out like a seventy, 
Like it's going to happen. It didn't happen yep. really last season after round one. Just always above a hundred. I I doubt that will happen this season. If you don't own Lloyd, I wouldn't be jumping too early on him because he will drop in price at stump stage. I don't know if it will be before the buy for your sake. I hope it is before the buy for my sake because I have him. <laughs> I hope it's not. Um, but at some stage, he's going to put in a poor score just because they won't use him and they don't need to to win games anymore. Yeah, and I, I genuinely have watched um, a lot more probably Swans games to start the year than I have in previous. I do genuinely still see him doing the little loop around the back. The fact that they have a lot more options out of the back line now um, in terms of who has genuinely good foot skills, they don't look for him quite as much as what I've seen in previous years. And I think that's the difference. I don't think there's been a drop-off in his performance. I don't think there's been a drop-off in how he plays. I think it's just a reduction in the supply that he has and slightly different to the games uh, different to the uh, previous year's game style where they're a little bit slower now they are more direct as you say pistol so i still see him as being absolutely top echelon um, defensive options but there's going to be a period of time where we pick him up cheek because of exactly what you said pistol and i i i, um, I totally ag- agree with that but i i wouldn't be panicking if you own him if that sort of makes sense no, if you own him, there's nothing you can do about him. I'm not saying, you know, trade him to Ridley. Just saying there's warning signs. It might happen. Don't freak out. Nothing we can do about now. We're already invested for people that own him. And for those that don't own him, it's probably good news. And you can just wait it out. I wouldn't be trying to rush in Jake Lloyd because of his good scores to start the season. I think at some stage he's going to have a big fall and you'll be able to capitalize then. Sure. All right, let's jump into the next player that Pistol absolutely loves and wants in his team ASAP, and that's Josh Kelly, mate. Talk us through why you're so big on him this year. <laughs> so one of my trades this week was I traded out Josh Kelly. Um, I traded him to Clayton Oliver. I was expecting the DeBoer tag, so you don't need to tell me, oh, he was going to play against DeBoer. I was expecting a 70 score. It was more I wanted to free up potential transfers for this week in case any of the rookies look like I needed to get ASAP or if someone was dropped, particularly when Highmore was dropped, I was like, oh, I might need to fix this problem up next week. So I'm going to use my trade now to free up, to have more flexibility when it was a move I wanted to do regardless. So Mm -hmm. Josh Kelly, for those that have not been watching GWS, he is not playing in the midfield and he is not playing on the wing. He is playing off the half forward flank and even with all of GWS's millions of injuries last game, they still refused to put him in the middle or on the wing. He just continuously played off the half forward flank for the entire game and it made no sense, particularly when they started getting beaten in the middle. He just played off the half forward flank. You're probably wondering who played in the midfield. There's <laughs> Taranto, Hopper, obviously Canelio was injured and DeBoer injured, but they were both in the midfield. Brent Daniels was good in the midfield when he was in there and will probably still start ahead of Kelly in the midfield next week. Yes, Brent Daniels played ahead of Josh Kelly in the midfield. And then you have Tom Green behind all those players and Callum Ward was in the middle. All of these people above Josh Kelly in the midfield. What a dire situation like, can you just explain? Like, I don't understand when your team is losing and you don't have your best player on the ball or on the wing or around the ball, but in your half forward when you're losing, are you able to add any sort of insight as to why this might be the case, Chizo? 
Well, I thought it was interesting in Leon Cameron's interview that he actually, you know, a new GWS being transparent, said that he was actually more likely to play Cornelio in a moon boot in the middle before he played Josh Kelly in there. I thought that was uh, really refreshing, actually. Um, I can't. The only kind of stretch that I can make pistol is potentially there's a Neil situation going on. GWS totally could be happening. And that he's just maybe struggling with something. He it's looks good, only, though. Like, he looks thing. fit. <laughs> I've got nothing else. There's no There's no reason. Okay, there's he no looks reason. really good off the half-forward flank. I'm like, wow, this, this he's playing great. Like, put him in the midfield. Like, yep. in the first quarter, set up a goal, whatever, kicked a goal and kicked a goal in the second, I think it was. So, two goals and a goal assist immediately, great. I guess when you're that damaging off the half-forward flank, you probably think, oh, I'm a genius. I should continuously play him off the half-forward flank. Mm. Um, look... There's big problems if you're an owner because half-forward flank for a team that is going to struggle this season is almost the worst role that you can have for Supercoach. I mean, it's Josh Kelly, so he always finds ways to score. But even Josh Kelly's not going to score when you when they're down by 10 goals against a top-tier opponent. Like, realistically, if they're down by 100 points and the ball is getting out of the center, straight into GWS's back line, Kelly's not scoring points. Like, he, he's genuinely not going to score well in those games. He is more likely going to score like a 70 than he is a 130 just because of the role that he's playing. So for me, so many warning flags and red flags and every sort of flag. Um, this wasn't the game that we realized. We realized from the first two rounds, that's why I traded him to Clayton Oliver because I'm like, I don't want to go through this for a third game and potentially cop a really poor score. Great, he scored 100 most of it was in the first quarter. But Chizo, I think what we have to consider is GWS now don't have DeBoer and don't have Canelio. Do you think that there will be some sort of pressure, whether that be external, internal, whatever it might be on Leon Cameron, where he might turn up next week and say, you know what, I'm just going to play Josh Kelly in the midfield? Or do you think this is going to be something where he's just going to play off the half-forward flank now? Like, How do you see this progressing in the next couple of weeks? It's a great question. Uh, I'm not going to pretend that I'm a seasoned AFL coach. I mean, I, I still can't even make it into Div 1 in my football manager team. Um, <laughs> the The thing is, what makes sense to us as outsiders doesn't necessarily align with what they're trying to achieve internally. And so we can make all sorts of assumptions that these guys are out, therefore... Kelly has to go into the midfield. The problem is GWS's midfield is generally comprised of inside coldface mids. They don't usually burn their delicate by foot um, Josh Kelly's in the midfield because they have more versatility than these just contested beasts that they have like um, Hopper and Green, etc. So... I don't think it's just as easy saying everyone's injured, therefore he's going to play mid-time. I think there is the argument to be made that he could play more than what he has been, which is stuff all. Um, I don't think that's a difficult stretch. I think that GWS at least think that he is more useful to them as the person delivering the ball forward um, and supporting the forward line as opposed to the one that's shoveling it out. And so... I would prefer to see him coming into the midfield off a wing, which is what we've seen in previous years. Um, but 
perhaps they want him to be a little bit more damaging in the forward line, hence why he's playing more forward and genuinely kicking goals. I can only assume that's their approach because they've lost some forward power. They've lost Cameron. Hogan, I don't even know if he still plays AFL football, but he's on their list apparently. Um, There is a, a lot of depth that they've lost up forward. And so potentially this is what they're going to be doing as the season progresses, saying this is one of our senior, impactful, good disposal by foot players. We need to play them more forward of centre to make use of that as opposed to um, all the criticisms that Dusty got five years ago where he'd get a whole stack of possessions, but he wouldn't make it past the centre circle. Does that sort of translate? Yeah, I do. But I think I'm going to summarise with instructions <laughs> because I think that's what people want to hear. It's yes. uh, I think you have a free hit this week because of his 100 last week. His break-even whilst it's 152, even if he were to score too badly, you're only copying another you know, 20, 30K price drop, which is far from ideal, but other players are also dropping, so you're able to still sideways him to a decent enough midfielder if yeah. he gets the wrong role. However, in this match against Collingwood, if he gets zero centre bounce attendances... He's done. And zero wing attendances. And he plays off the half-forward flank the whole game. He's so far gone, you have to move before the 70 because it's coming. He's plays Sydney, who have been dominant out of the midfield lately, mm. and Chad Bulldogs. <laughs> Chad Warner. And Bulldogs right after that, who are also really dominant out of the center. In one of those games, if he is playing purely half-forward flank, he's going to put out a bad score. The trick is to jump not after the bad score happens, it's before the bad score happens. Yeah. So you need to make that move early if that is the case. Obviously, if he plays in the midfield, he could be an f- absolutely fantastic pick. But that's something that you're going to have to wait and see for this week. So for me, for this round, because of the injuries, it's a hold for one more week. If there were no injuries, probably a different different story. But you know, this is what the reality is. So that would be my advice to Josh Kelly owners right now. I know some people specifically are looking to wondering if they should trade to Lloyd this week. That's a tough question because I still think you should wait one more round, but mm. I, I understand with the high more problem you might you'd never want to be you never want to be fielding Kashitsky at D six. Like that <laughs> like we all did last week. You don't want to do that. So I that might be your bailout option using this and, and sure that works and you'll get a large point increase by doing that. So fine. But otherwise I think it's a hold for this week to reassess and then use the information from the Collingwood game as your decision-making game. I, w- I wouldn't expect him to score 70 against Collingwood. I think that's a pretty decent matchup for him. Sure. Okay. Well, I, I, I certainly tend to agree. Let's jump into the uh, the next player to talk about. Hayden Young doing the string. Very unfortunate for one of our breakout contenders in the back line. There's a couple of different ways you can kind of uh, kind of see this one, uh, Pistol. I don't know why I put it in an accent then. Um, you can <laughs> the, everyone that's just um, frothing over CJ uh, versus the bubble boy and probably the good job security boy in Heath Chapman. Uh, are you a happy chappy or are you jumping on the train? As much as GF looks phenomenal and is incredibly fun to watch, and you just like. You want him in your side because he makes football fun to watch and to have. Chapman seems like a no-brainer here. I know his job security is not totally rock solid with so many Fremantle defenders to come in, but he comes in with a higher pedigree. He comes in on the back of 
he was already in the side with Hayden Young and now Hayden Young's out. So he's not even like the next player out. He's got that buffer as well. Plus, it's an LTI for Young. So who really knows how long Chapman's gone the side? And after his 86, he's going to make money relatively quickly. And it's not like Fremantle have a super tough draw either. He is somebody... I mean, um, we spoke about his draw last week on the podcast. Um, but for those that you know, at home. Uh, it's Hawthorne, Adelaide, North Melbourne in the next three, which are, I'd say, optimal fixtures. Um, so he's going to probably make enough money across the next five weeks. He'll probably make you that 150k in five weeks anyway. So for me, it, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a happy chappy, um, unfortunately, <laughs> even though as much as CJ is, is the fun pick, um, the, the strong recommendation here would be Chapman. Yeah, I, I, I certainly tend to agree. Um, Chapman with a negative 41 break-even, priced at 148800 elevated because uh, uh, the draft position. Projected to make um, $46,300 this round and 44000 the round after. You, you could very easily, um, in, in the next two to three weeks, make one hundred and twenty k off him. Pistol, uh, the, the way that he's performing. Obviously, there's a little bit of divergence between his two scores. I don't think we can expect him to average 86. But I, I tell you why I'm leaning towards uh, the Chapman. Um, it, it's always one of those things. It's a risk a, a risk profile in your team, Pistol. Um, there's a saying that I picked up. I can't even remember where I picked it up. I think it was... Um, uh, anyway, An I can't old remember. Chinese proverb, I think you told me before the podcast. Uh, it was from, Actually, it was from Astronaut... Chris Hadfield, and he says, uh, he said um, something like, "In NASA, there's no situation you can't make worse. So no matter how bad you've got it, you can always do something to make it worse." And so when I'm talking about the risk profile of my team, if I've already picked a mid pricer that's failed, f- filling the hole with another mid pricer that's already had a large cash jump, it just feels like. There's not enough upside for me. I think if you're considering CJ as a, you know, like a, a Zebel that might just like very luckily might be a D6 option, I, maybe you could make the argument. Um, but I think at his current price and the fact that he's done, we don't have exposed form to him in the AFL over a long period of time to be able to guess at what his uh, potential season long average might be. It just seems like a bit of the chasing the car scenario. We're chasing last week's points. And the upside's just not quite there for me, whereas the same sort of cash can be made by Chapman just going about his business averaging 60s. Yeah, that's that's a, that's a very fair, Chizo. If he were to score 80s across his next three, CJ would only, I say only, make um, just under 80k. So it's not like he's going to make you that 150k. People are trading him in as a keeper. I I love him, but it's very unrealistic to think he can be a keeper. Even if he... Think of like Adam Saad and how good Adam Saad is. If GF is anything like Adam Saad, Adam Saad's not even a keeper in the back line. Like mm. even at his best last season in the shortened quarters with the scaling, like he still went sub 100. I... I You'd need a hundred from him to be a keeper, and I think you're more likely, at best, to get like low to mid nineties. Um, yeah, he's he's a stinker away. Like he's yeah. he's going he's going to have one. Well, he's already had a score in the sixties. 
You know, like yeah. it, it, he's had two it's really, true. really good back-to-back games, and he's absolutely phenomenal to watch. The palm off on on Dusty was great, but I just the the consistency probably won't be there that you'll get from a seasoned defender. And if we're talking about the defenders you actually want to finish the year in, um, you know that you don't think that about trading them out. Imagine you were bringing them in for uh, Young this year. You're pretty much basically saying that you're going to use another trade on Jeff at some point. Yeah. Um, and then I, I just think to myself, well, if, you, if you're saying that, then the, the cheaper option that's going to make more cash that you know you're going to be using another trade on anyway just seems like the low-risk option. And I, I realize to people listening that I'm always the one saying, take the low risk, take the low risk. And the reason is... If you take a lot of low-risk options, you get a really reliable and predictable outcome. That's the whole point of it. Whereas if you go from a risky selection to another risky selection who doesn't work out to another risky selection, you just end up chasing your own tail. And I, 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 in, in terms of individual teams, there may be the argument to totally go for it if you've got safety throughout the rest of your side. Um, but as a like, generalized advice, I think that's kind of where I'm leaning towards, Pistol. Yeah, I think people might be selecting him and Chapman because they recognize they have a problem in their back line where they need to bring in two defenders this week yeah, or sure. suffer having Cozzy at D6. So I can kind of understand him as a stopgap bailout measure, but you know it's not like it's not worth the trade, but you're getting him literally so that you don't have to field a, a 20 score on your field. And I can understand that from a points perspective, but recognize it's not the best use of a trade, but you kind of force into it because of the structure of your side, which you, if you're going to reflect on it, may not have been the best you know, structure to start your team with, with these you know, risks taken. But I think as a stopgap measure, then it, it's fine. But it, it is what it is as a pick. Yeah. And just going through some, uh, some trading stats so far, um, he's been traded out for CJ 1,400 times. Uh, he's been traded out for Jordan Ridley 1,200 times and traded out for Heath Chapman just over 1,000 times. So um, a few more people leaning towards the CJ method um, as opposed to the Chapman method there, Pistol. So it's interesting to put some numbers uh, behind that. And it's interesting as well, we're seeing that, that we're kind of leaning towards the least um, you know, chosen selection, that the, 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 the cheap Kind of rookie selections. It's just interesting. Not drawing anything from it. Just interesting to um, uh, to see that, my friend. So um, we'll jump into the next sort of mid prices, sort of rookie priced. It's Paddy Dow pistol. Paddy Dow. Um, what are you going to do with him, mate? Is are we cutting and running now? Is this is this enough evidence in the last two months to for people to cut and run? <laughs> Uh, this is going to be one of those things where I'm like, he's just one big game away from making money, <laughs> and then you end up with him for half the season. He gets he's dropped got the right run. He loses loses money in the end. Um, look, honestly, he's probably going to be dropped anyway, so it doesn't really matter. You can use him as a loophole. He's got DPP. It's kind of handy. I don't think he's a desperate trade-out. You kind of can just pick your target. You can wait for the optimal rookie option coming through. That might be next week, given the volume of first gamers that, that debuted this round. But mm-hmm. just wait for the right one. Then you can just trade down to them and, and just pick them off perfectly. I don't think it's a massive rush. He'll probably hover around his current price. I don't imagine he's going to lose too much money. And he'll probably be dropped before he does lose too much money because that means he's playing poorly. So 
it's not a rush. If you want to trade into Chapman, that's fine as well. That seems like a good trade. But for me, I think I'm going to end up holding him and just praying that he can put out a good score and kickstart his cash generation. But I, watching him, it doesn't seem very likely. He's, no. uh, yeah, it's not it's not looking like a, a, a good selection in yeah. the end. The the most common move with Dow this week, 1,400 teams have moved him to Heath Chapman. So someone that you've just mentioned, um, 900 have gone to Warner and 800 have gone a week early on Alec Waterman. They're that, that desperate to get him out of their side. Yeah, well, I don't think I'd make an early move to Waterman just because Essendon won by so many points and he's a forward, <laughs> so obviously he scored well. Remember what happened when they lost by 100 points to Port Adelaide? <laughs> Harry Jones scored five. If Waterman scores five next week, it's going to be a very different story in who we think is going to be a good trading option. So let's just cool our jets on trading in people after one game if we can. Um, but yeah, there's there's seriously not much rush on a lot of these rookie options. Uh, we can, fortunately, a lot of us are in positions where we're able to just pick out the best rookie option and don't have too much damage control and mm. trades having to be whipped around to fix our sides because I think a lot of us manage to do pretty well from our starting teams or yeah. at least starting premium picks. So yeah. there, there can be some calm. Yeah. Two of the top six options are rookies on, and not even on the bubble yet. So that's <laughs> that's how desperate people are to get out. Um, the last thing that we should mention before we do get into the Q&A is that the tag is officially back Pistol, we haven't seen it for a little while, but I think the hard tag, the week-in, week-out job that you know the likes of DeBoer and now O'Connor have with Geelong, it's officially back. And we have to be cognizant of it going into rounds. And Oliver, straight off um, the, uh, the back of getting the DeBoer tag in the first half before the injury, is most likely going to be copying another tag um, this week as they come up against Geelong in the Sunday yep. afternoon clash. Cheezo. It's frustrating having traded in Oliver this round, copying the DeBoer. I had my blinkers on and looked up this, his averages against Geelong and Clayton Oliver torches Geelong. He's scored 200 against them. He's had, I think it was a low of 100. He, he it just plays unbelievably well against Geelong. Saw all those stats, lit up in lights, did not think for a second about O'Connor. Traded him in during the match, obviously being tagged by DeBoer, thinking, oh, oh boy, <laughs> he's got O'Connor next week. Maybe they tag Petrarca, but I think that might be wishful thinking. Um, so, look, it will be what will be, what will be, will be. People will be able to select Oliver very cheap as their first upgrade, which are... Is a great upgrade to get, and that will that will be it. But yeah, O'Connor definitely is playing super well. Like he looks good as a midfielder as well. So I'm, attacking I'm the opposite s- direction as well, which is what all the best taggers have always done, making yeah. making the play the player they're tagging accountable. Yeah, look, I think he's done really well. I have maybe it's a glimmer of hope just because he tags Neil, but obviously now we know how much Neil is struggling. So we gave O'Connor the win, but maybe it was more Neil struggling. And Mm. Titch did get away from him a little bit in the last half, although he blanketed him in the first quarter. But for three quarters, it was a pretty even contest. Uh, So maybe there's a glimmer of hope there that 
um, Oliver can break the shackles, but yeah, we'll have to see on that one. It's certainly something we're going to have to keep talking about, though, especially when we talk about captaincy options. We're going to have to keep in mind the tag now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Exactly why we're bringing it up, mate. Hey, uh, so let's jump into some Slack Q&A. Thanks for the Slack members that have thrown in their questions, and thanks for those that actually gave Supercoach relevant ones. We're not here to give life advice, guys. It is literally uh, just Supercoach. Pistol, uh, do you want to read them out, and uh, I'll give some basic answers? (laughs) Basic answers, yep, definitely. That's all you get from me. You don't get complex. We have, just for a reminder, for... um, patron members if you join our slack we have a channel which is hashtag podcast questions where you can write in questions that we will hopefully read out on the podcast or already answer it during the podcast uh first up here we have seeker 11 who asks is there any realm of reality that sharp cozy and brockman get games later if they're drops or will they become liabilities that have made stuff all cash which we then need to trade them out at the best opportunity um, I'll take difficult questions for 500. Um, I, I think they're absolutely both of those things um, can happen for either of those players. I think the, the one thing to remember with these guys is that the rookies that have a decent preseason get all the hype are picked in the first couple of rounds are the ones that the teams believe are on the cusp of being AFL ready. They're the ones that they have the most confident in. There's always like the downies that get the buzz from us playing super coach, but not necessarily within the footy club that will come in and say round 10 and play a handful of games and then go in and out, in and out. I think with the likes of um, Cozzy and Brockman, the Hawks have seen that they're still a little bit green and that they're going to take some time to really adjust to AFL level. I think that's clear to everyone. Um, and Cozzy had a bad game, but if you actually watched it, there was probably four or five marks that on a different day he takes and he scores 60. He missed an easy set shot, uh, relatively easy set shot. Another week he kicks that. He, you know, it, it, it was so much of an sort of kind of day for Coz. Um and so when you're looking at the stat line, it doesn't really paint the full picture, and I think that Clarko will see that. I think he's also been rather scathing of, of Cozzy in the... Uh, the uh, I think he said something like, as long as he's um, been running his patterns, that's all we can like hope for him sort of thing. Um, so to answer your question, Seeker, I think that there's absolutely the possibility that Sharp will become a liability because I think he's off to do year 12 now. Um, and Cozzy and Brockman, a little bit in the other way, are more likely to get more games throughout the season if they are dropped because the Hawks see them as someone as players they want to integrate into their system. Yeah, I agree with that. At the end of the day, Hawthorne don't have like a solid set of key forwards anyway. Like Mitch Lewis is clearly their best key forward, but I mean Tim O'Brien and you know Segler pushing forward, it's not like the fantastic players that um Cozzy can't force his way ahead of or is dropped for. So I do agree. I think the biggest problem for Cozzy is his money-making ability just because it's a key forward. But we expected that to happen. It's yeah. not something I'm super stressed about. And Hawthorne play really late pretty much every round, which make him, makes him a really good loopholing mm. option for the future. So um, for people like myself that don't have 
a loophole option really if he becomes one it's not the it's not the end of the world really yeah um i'm gonna ask the next tweet oh you got last thing i was gonna say is that gunston's still anywhere from a fortnight to a month away so the chances of him forcing one of these guys out of the forward line is still a little while away yep and brockman dropped four marks as well and had four clangers from those four drop marks so his score also could have looked a lot better uncontested marks mind you don't know what was happening there um david neats asks what are your views on toronto now that they're missing a few key midfielders um i think my views are still the same i said to um super coach mama during the week that if i was in her position i'd be still holding toronto i didn't think that his role had been bad i thought that he had the role we thought he was going to have they've just been on the back end of a couple of hidings which looks like what gws is going to have this year so what i said was that i think that it probably caps his upside and our hopes and dreams of what he could be in 2021 but it doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be a bad selection i still see him as averaging above three figures and if he pushes anywhere let's say 102 to 105 he's definitely not a keeper Disappointed that he's not going to sneak in at a M8 sort of section. But we picked him up at 450k. So you're genuinely still making a little bit of cash off him. And so I still see him as a success. And he's even got an even better role now because he was a a center bounce midfielder and uh, first selection center bounce midfielder before the Cogs injury. He's only going to become more important to the GWS midfield particularly if they don't want Josh Kelly in there. So I'm still on on board with holding Taranto for the time being unless we see evidence that he's fallen off a cliff. Look, it's hard to argue, Chizo. I I, I do think that his role was what we expected and it wasn't as good as we wanted it to be, which is why there wasn't a strong, I guess, push to start him because it wasn't a perfect role. He wasn't like a number one or number two GWS midfielder, but now with Cornelio's injury, as well as DeBoer's, he is going to be right in their midfield rotation, which means there's no reason to get rid of him now. It's not going to be a role-related problem. You just mm. hold him and probably, I guess, reassess at the bye. I think yep. that's that's probably what I would do now. Um, Perfect assessment. Yep. Josh M. asks, is Tex a trap or the real deal? Is it too late now to jump on the train to Texas? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I'm going to go with my gut. Oh, boy. <laughs> and say I don't think he's the real deal. I, right. th- I think that there is still a bit of cash to be made from him. And so you could, keeping this form up, still potentially make 150k. with these 150? With these... 150s, 130s in the rolling average. I could potentially see him get to 550 because you can't, you can't deny that his form's incredible. The thing is, it's the whole risk-benefit scenario for me. If I personally don't see him as being a keeper, which I don't, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me to be chasing a, like a hundred-ish K now considering he's already gone up 108. Like we were talking the last week that you know, you could basically bank 150, maybe 160k. I don't think you can do that. Have the same assessment this week when he's already gone up 107.9. The potential upside for a cash grab is gone. If he is a keeper, then do like every other keeper. If you don't have Lloyd at the end of the year, you just pick him as one of the upgrade targets. 
You know, like if he does become a, become a keeper, all you have to do is bite the bullet and say, damn it, I missed it. He is a keeper. Oh, well. When the overwhelming probability is saying that he's not going to be. Yeah, I think I'd rather pay 500k for Tex as a keeper than 400k and him not be a keeper. I mean, he'll, probably, he'll get to 500, but I don't think he'll make much more than 500. Uh, scores of 100 in his next three only make 90k. That's still good scores, but that's not that much money. I think yeah. now you're either you're not now picking him as you said, you're not picking him for the money. You're picking him as a keeper at this price. So yeah. That's up to you if you think he's going to be a keeper for the whole season. Personally, I think he can have three really good games and crack 500k. I think that is the most likely thing to happen. But after that, you'd be wanting to jump off that ASAP. Yeah, and that's I'm what we sure talked about last trade week. In and out. Yeah, yeah. like the, the whole point was to jump on and then jump off before rookie season starts. Um, and I, I still think that's the play. Is it too late? I guess the question is, is he a trap or the real deal? Uh, in terms of keeper, I still think he's a trap. All right, I'm going to ask the next question here. Uh, Al asks, can you guys talk about whether you think these guys are potential keepers, Impy, Zebel, Tex, Jeff, and even Warner? So I'll start, I'll start them for you. Impy, what do you no, reckon? Keeper no, or non-keeper? I, I still think he's going to be a decent cash grab, potentially averages in the 90s and would be a late upgrade. I agree with you. Zebel? The most likely... Actually, no. I think with his role with the kick-ins, I think he's the most likely to be an F6 keeper, if not very, very last upgrade, um, keeping in mind that he's probably going to do two calves and get concussed at least four times between now and the buys. Yeah, it's funny. When I <laughs> said in the preseason, Zewell, I think he's a slight chance of being a keeper. I, I laughed did, at I you. Meant, I meant F6. I didn't mean like F2. So... That was not what I expected. Um, I do think he's a really high chance of being a keeper, but like you said, as a joke, I think it's more likely he gets injured and we have to trade him out yeah. than him not being a keeper just because that role is so good and he's on so many kick-ins. However, and he's already in been mind, injured once, remember? <laughs> it's true. Keep in mind Luke McDonald will be back, yes, and that may have an impact on him this week if Luke McDonald's back this week or it, next week. It, so. it, it won't be if it, if it was how he played in the preseason. Yeah, so let's <laughs> let's keep an eye on that one. Tex, we've just spoken about, as well as Jeth. Um, we've spoken about, what do you think of Warner's chances of being a keeper? I love Warner's center bounce attendance. The, he, he's in their first rotation midfielders right now. He, he's, right now. Yeah, yeah he, he's got the, got the role we all wish all of our rookies could have. <laughs> uh, the, the question is, can you trust a two-game player to become a season-long keeper over the likes of Tex, Impey, and Zebel, And I think the answer is no. I think he isn't going to be, and Robottom will push him back out of the center bounces when he's back, as we saw in round one. So that will impact his scoring quite a lot. That's my guess, but I might be wrong. Mm. <laughs> um, we've Next up, we've got Lunny, and basically he says he's got Hayden Young and not enough money to trade to someone like Isaac Cam- Cumming. Should he wait for a rookie defender? Um, and basically, I'm just going to answer it for you because it's your example that you gave about your spaceman, astronaut, whatever, um, your Chinese proverb about making your problem worse. Yep. It fits perfectly in this situation where if you have Hayden Young, don't look at Fantasia. 
and don't look at coming. <laughs> like, just cop it, go all the way down to Chapman or go all the way up to somebody like Ridley. That's that's your two options really there. Um, don't sideways to another mid-pricer, yeah. specifically Fantasia, uh, which was <laughs> mentioned in the question. Uh, one of the last one, actually, no, there's a couple more, not too many more, Chizo. Um Anthony Cohen says, is Burgess a legitimate downgrade and will he get the number one ruck until Smith is back? Burgess is 210k defender. Ooh. I didn't realize he was defender. I figured he must be a forward. Um, <laughs> So I guess you could trade Hayden Young to Burgess, perhaps. I mean, he's only played one game, um, which was the last week, and he scored 86, which is obviously very good. And as we've always said, number one rucks generally always go above 80. The problem is... He's not really a, a ruck. <laughs> he's 191 centimetres. Yeah. All their rucks are injured. He's not winning hitouts. That's no. not what he's in for. He's in to apply pressure to the opposition ruckman as well as try and lay some tackles and get some possessions. Uh, I think he can score well in that role, but not like amazingly well that it's worth me trading in. I think it's worth a draft, like for your draft. The problem is Zach Smith's four weeks away. He might make you 100k in four weeks, maybe 150k. Not in the four weeks. There's no way. I, I just can't see it getting to a stage unless Zach Smith gets injured again. I That's can't a probability see it to a stage. It is a high probability. <laughs> I can't see it getting to a stage that is actually going to make us 150k. He might make us some solid scoring, but as soon as Zach Smith comes out, you have to trade him or else he's going to be playing forward and start scoring like 40s and then losing money. So it puts you on the clock to get rid of him as well, which is a precious situation. Just seems like a bit more hassle than it's worth, but my tune will definitely change if he comes out next week and he scores like 100 plus and <laughs> looks like making 100K within four weeks, then then that will change. But yeah, at this rate, if he's going to be putting out just 80s, um, it's it's probably still a pass for me, but... I mean, I'd look at it, but it's it's most likely a pass, I think. I mean, and the the players he's going to be ruck against, he's got Carlton, Western Bulldogs, Sydney, Collingwood, St Kilda, with Marshall probably back. It's not... I don't know why we're assessing the ruck run of Chris Burgess. <laughs> he's not he's not winning any t- hit-outs anyway, so it doesn't matter. But he, he might not be flailing around quite as much. <laughs> I think no. Do you have anything to add or do you want me to skip no. next question? Next question. All right, we've got Sick Mix. Baldy's Brolgas says, is Cam Guthrie a sneaky good pick? He was good last season and has exploded this season. Yeah, he was good last year. Um, he's sort of gone under the radar for me. He was one of those players that I just saw him being, you know, behind a number of guys, and I just expected him to kind of get forced out when they come back. I think... He went a flat ton with Danger in the side when he got um, suspended. And the last two weeks without Danger, he's gone 124, 163. It's easy to get hooked on um, players that have scored well and wanting to jump on. But I think still breaking it down, I think Duncan is still slowly being worked back in. Um, I don't even know if Minigola is fit, but he wasn't playing on the weekend either. Um I, I just don't see him being 
Uh, so he had a, a, a test Menegola is this week with a shoulder injury. Um, I still think that he's going to be a good kind of 100, 105 sort of player. I, I think it's going to take a lot for him to average what we need him to average to be a season-long keeper if you're bringing him in at this stage after the horse has already bolted. Yeah. Look, the the key thing for me was when we spoke about him briefly in the preseason, um, very briefly, I should say, it was more his possessions. They weren't at a, They weren't at a number where I thought his average would be able to be maintained he only had the 18 touches a game in 2019 changed the role in 2020 really and only averaged 21 touches in limited game time even if you increase that number by 20 percent it's not high enough that it would typically be a top tier like correlate with a top tier midfielder um, in terms of super coach averages he would really would need to push high 20s low 30s to be someone who i thought would be able to score you know 115 plus and he's averaging 31 this season. So he's just exploded. Obviously, 43 touches last week is phenomenal. But it's something that I will not rule out. But I am certainly, and I certainly will keep an eye on him. But I will be, uh, I'll use Chizo's favorite word, cognizant of the fact that he did play Adelaide and Hawthorne. And they, you know, um, that, that tight game against Brisbane, it's not like a, it's it's not it's it's a good it's a good draw. That's what I'm saying, um, and he is still 583k. So he's expensive as well. So there will be times I'm pretty sure throughout the season you will still be able to select him at this price. So you're not being like hurt by waiting um, just to check him out a little bit more. You definitely don't want to go on a bit. You don't want to go too early on one of these players to to realize that they're not actually breaking out. So I think um, that probably. Covers that one, Chizo. I might um, jump into the very next question. Um, we've got a question here from Finn. He asks, who are you fielding as your on-field rookies this week? Don't ask me. <laughs> I mean, oh, my God. I've had rookie roulette. We need to make a T-shirt and have rookie roulette on front of it. It, it would just make an absolute killing. The... The th- it's so difficult. It, it, what rookies in which position? Can we avoid the forwards? Look, I just want you to name. Uh, oh, well, let's not go in the back line, but let's name the. If you have to play four midfielders, which okay. four midfielders are you playing? Um, I'm going to play Goulden. I'm going to play Jordan. I'm going to play Berry, and I'm going to play Powell. So Jordan's got Geelong. No reservations about that. No, I still think he's going to be about the 50 mark, 55. Yeah, I'm playing the same four as you, so I've got no questions there. Benching Scott McNeil. Um, I'm not sure. I think there's another option, but I can't remember who it is. But not stressing about that as of yet. <laughs> Dow? I'm not playing Dow. <laughs> fun, fun, I'll play fun, Harry fun Jones on field before Dow. <laughs> well, seriously. In the forward line, though, I'm going to make you pick three forward rookies to put on your field. All right, I'm going to play Impy. No. (laughs) Rookie price, right? Rookie price. Um, I'm going to play Campbell, Warner. Campbell, 29 last week, and you're still. Yeah, but he's playing Essendon. 
Our forward line yeah. sucks. That's fair. <laughs> they're, they're just going to towel up. Our, uh, yeah. Um, who are Adelaide playing north? I'll play Row. You'll play Row. Okay. I'll play Row over what I want to get out of over this. Brockman because they play in Perth against Frio, who aren't necessarily terrible, even though they played not that great against Carlton. Would you play Campbell Warner over? I assume you're not going to play Row over any of the four midfielders you named. No. Would you play Campbell or Warner over any of the f- four midfielders you named? I mean, it'd be really difficult to play Warner over Jordan because they're in completely different lines. Um, <laughs> With DPP, you can get things <laughs> switched around. <laughs> uh, I would play... I, you know what? I would probably play Campbell ahead of Powell. I wouldn't. Because they play Adelaide. Because <laughs> they play Adelaide, yeah. yeah. sure. Okay. But, Just Adelaide. But they are... I'd play Campbell... Pro- I don't know. I feel like Jordan... Nah. This is tough. It is. They're all averaging basically the same. They've all had really good games and then really poor games. <laughs> Look, uh, as you've roulette. said and as I've said, I've got all of my rookie roulettes wrong, so probably don't take my rookie advice. That's why they Just asked the follow question. follow Chizo. Just still follow Chizo, yeah. <laughs> I think... Uh, Golden Powell, Jordan, Barry, I think are probably the the four mids. I Campbell, I might loophole if I can. I still like it. Campbell at the SCG is going to score well. Yeah. Now I'm going to bench Barry, Jordan, Barry, Barry, Jordan. No, I'll bench Barry. Jordan. Yep. <laughs> I'll wait and see who's in and out in the team. Sheet <laughs> Jordan's the one that's most likely going to score below fifty, probably, maybe. Court, against kind of. Geelong, but he's also the highest possession winner. Um, his time on ground is really low, yeah, which is a bit scary. Um, but yeah, I probably would bench Jordan first out of all of the other ones we've named. I was disappointed. Mm. He he nearly had a 60 and he got scaled down like eight points. Yeah, he got scaled down massively. That's rough. Um, they all got put on jelly. <laughs> they did, unfortunately. Um, so I believe this is the last question. Uh Pommy asks, is uh, Giro, Giro, sorry, my pronunciation of G's is terrible, uh, worth it now at 170K, has gone up 46,000, scored a very solid 87 last week. Do you think he is a worthwhile trade-in? Um, you've got to be pretty bereft of options if you're looking at Giro. I think there's probably enough rookies on the horizon that you probably don't need to jump on 170. I, st- I don't see him as outscoring any of those other guys. So as someone that's more expensive than Barry, for example, um, I you know I probably wouldn't be jumping on him. It- it's a difficult question. I would say only if he's literally your only option and everything else is hunky-dory. I wouldn't be worried about it. I don't think it's a difficult question. I think the answer is just no. Okay. We've got five to come back. They've got quite a few ins. I know they've got some outs, but he's that pretty much 21st, 22nd guy. I think he's going to be dropped at any stage. And if you're trading me at 170, you really need him to get all the way up to you know 320K. You're hoping he lasts at least five, six weeks. And I don't think he's going to do that. So for me, that's a pass. And as you said, I'd probably wait, just wait for a, better rookie there's going to be some on the horizon hopefully some Collingwood ones soon hopefully Finlay McRae because I'm just waiting for him to play um, 
And that's that's all the podcast questions, Cheese. We've think got, we we got one have... more. One more pistol. We've got another one. All right. It's from Jimmy, who's currently ranked 18th overall, nicknamed The Analyst. And of all the questions that are like eight to ten words long, he sent us a 262-word question that we're just going to have to get to back to you in DMs, Jimmy, because it, if we read the whole thing out on the podcast, we'd send people to sleep. Uh, but that's why we call you the analyst. We get questions that are 262 words long for you to <laughs> just make up your own mind. Now, if we're talking about, just this is to digress a little bit, we're talking about me playing the safe option, getting a more reliable outcome because it's more predictable. Jimmy goes the other way. He goes full-on risk, calculated, analytical, and he's had a few years where he just has gone gangbusters. Um, I think he finished top 10 one year um, pistol when it all just kind of clicked and worked out for him. He's currently 18th overall with a similar sort of strategy. And he's looking to trade Meek to Hickey this week, Pistol. And I've got to the point where I don't talk him out of things anymore because it's clearly working for him. <laughs> yeah, for Flynn-Meek combo, I'm pretty sure this is his third, second time in three years starting inside the top 20 overall mm. within the first couple of rounds. So, and without a primo ruck. <laughs> without a primo ruck, just all out. Um, I don't know if it's madness or genius, but it's a fine line between those two things. That's he clearly, clearly knows what he's doing. He's smarter than me, that's for sure. Chizo, captaincy options for this week, I think, are very important. After last week, uh, you either got a 162-163 or you failed. I think that's pretty much... Mm. The only way to summarize the captaincy scores from last week. Um, who are you liking, you know, early days this week? Um, well, Gordon plays Essendon on the Thursday night. He could be a good VC option. Pistol. <laughs> um, those that I hit mean, the optimize button. kind of joking? Those that hit the optimize button. Uh, I know of a few got stung with the C on Gordon this week, so they need to tinker with that optimize button at at uh, um, Herald Sun headquarters. The blokes that I like the look of this week, I do like some of the doggies against Brisbane um, on the Saturday afternoon game. I think any of them could have um, a, a decent week. It's just a matter of picking the right one. Um, McRae is probably the safest that I would be looking at, even though... Dunkley's just been on a tear so far this year. Um, would you agree with that? McRae's record against Brisbane and at Mars is phenomenal. So that screams... Uh, I think it's his 183... If his last three, I think it's 183, 135, 155. So out of this world yeah. scores. What, so what, exactly McRae what I said. Is, That's the, the reason that I picked it? Uh, yeah, I think like... I, if I'm picking between the Bulldogs, I'm probably <laughs> picking McRae just just based on that little fun fact. <laughs> uh, the next one that I'd probably look at, uh, Ridley against the Swans could be, if he keeps up their form, could be a, a, a total kind of, if if you're on the side of throwing the VC at someone that might just have a good game. The amount of posters that Swans kick, was it seven or eight posters that they had in their match? Uh, that's a lot of kickouts to Ridley. Yes. I'm assuming that trend's going to continue. Yes. So I'll be cheering for the posters, one, because it's fun, 
Or maybe it's just fun for me. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> or just cheer for a behind. I, They're I the just same. Find it hilarious. <laughs> no, cheering for posters, posters specifically. No one hits the post more than the Swans, and it's just hilarious how often it happens. Mm. So, uh, yeah, Ridley, I think, um, is definitely an outside the box option. I probably would still feel more comfortable with the Grundy safety gone. of, of yeah. I mean, look, Grundy gone, whatever. But uh, McRae, yeah. Anyway, sorry, I cut you off. Continue, please. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, they're the two kind of options that I'm seeing in the uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday night outcomes that uh, of the regular premiums that we're looking at. Um, the only other one would be Grundy in terms of the VC um, that I do like the look of uh, before the Sunday games, which uh, have the likes of Gorn against the Cats, who haven't had a Ruckman in four years, and uh, Titch against the Dockers could also be um, a backup C option if you don't have Gorn. Yeah. Similar kind of thoughts on your side of the box? Yeah, I like Titch as well at Optus. I just feel like that's going to be a good matchup to him. But you know, I like uh, Grundy and Gorn as well. I think um, for people that own them and can loophole, it's a, it's a pretty stock standard. If you want to get creative, obviously Tex against North Melbourne. Oh, yeah. Just like, I just straight see him, probably. He's, he, what did he kick last week? Like, I think he could kick 17 goals, 14. Yeah, no, he No, he, he really could kick 10. So I would also kind of... It'd feel funny to do it. I think it'd be fun. I don't own him. But if I owned him, I would strongly consider that. It's like when you put the C on Buddy and you're just like watching the game in awe every time he kicks a goal. I feel like that would be quite fun to put on text th- this week. So I think there's even I enough time for you it. to put the VC on him and then chuck it on Gorn if he's not performing. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, you're picking up what I'm yeah, putting down? Yeah, that's not bad. That, that's pretty funny. Um, yeah, don't mind that. VC text into Gorn. <laughs> what about if uh, Luke McDonald's not back, the VC on uh, Jay-Z? <laughs> nah, can't do it. I can't put it on someone that <laughs> has right, a, right. a limb about to fall off at any given given second. Uh, I'll, I'll just, I know I just... there's no exposed form for Laird, but I do think of Laird is not a bad pick against mm. North Melbourne. I feel like it's okay, but definitely not my most preferred option. I, I, I think McRae and then the Ruckman is probably my preferred. If you want to have fun with it, Tex is probably literally the next best option, so... Go for it. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I just want to ask you, uh, obviously last year with the higher ceilings, have you had your kind of radar reset to what you're happy with as a VC? I think you still would take 130 every day of the week. Yeah, that's still that's, kind of... You get, you get one in the 120s, goal. you're like, uh, I'm probably just going to roll the dice. I like to pick a hard line because then I have no regrets. If I If I say I'll like consider 127 but then i like get a like 126 take 127 yeah if, when you when you pick it if you, if you stick to something the whole season you can't really have as many regrets like if you are going to take a 130 and not a 129 at least you've you've made your you've made your call if you're sticking with that throughout the year there's no like would i have taken this or would i have not and you don't think mm-hmm. of if and buts you're just like this is my rule and i'm going to take it my general rule that i go for is I look at the average of, if, if I'm doing the rucks, which I most likely am, it will be if Grundy gets more than Gorn's average, then I will probably take take it. And if I don't, then I won't. And Gorn's average is 131. So for me, if he gets more than 131, I'll take it. And if he doesn't, I won't. That's pretty much it. Sure. Don't overcomplicate it. Kiss principle. 
Yeah, basically, just keep it simple, as you say. Cool. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. It's been a, a long podcast to wrap up round three. We're getting uh, well beyond the one hour mark now. Pistol, thanks for being a fantastic guest inside of the Dr. Supercoach studio with me tonight. Well, you're very welcome. Thank you for having me on rather than kicking me off like last week just because you blokes had higher stars than me. <laughs> hey, we're just trying to alternate the pairings. We've all been on a, a podcast to, to recap now uh, and all pairings have been done. Like and subscribe for your favourite. No. Um, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, do keep the reviews coming through on iTunes if we do get some good ones. Um, uh, some uh, some good uh, reviews. We'll be shouting them out on the podcast. So thanks for everyone that has gone ahead and done that. Uh, it really helps us grow the brand and get our voice out there, which is fantastic. And always, 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 you can find us on our socials. The main page is Dr. Underscore SC, Pistol Underscore DRSC, JB Underscore DRSC, and Chizo with a Z Underscore DRSC. Thank you for listening. I hope your week's been great. Getting into round four, make those trades work for your teams. We'll talk to you again soon.